Okay, awesome. So, um, yeah, be you, your cheery self. Like I, I expect the Vicky, the trademark Vicky smile and the Vicky laugh throughout this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I feel like everybody. I feel like anybody who went to UCSD with you knows, like it's the Victoria yes. smile, the Queen Victoria smile. Yes. <laughs> I just want to welcome the listeners back to the next episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast. Uh, the podcast where folks are tired of trying to find a seat at the table. So we decided to build our own banquet hall and our guest here today, the queen herself, Queen Victoria Gishoi. Uh, how are you doing today, Vicky? I'm good, Kyler. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Uh, right before we started recording, you mentioned that the rain just stopped in LA and it's headed to San Diego. I can see the clouds yeah. starting to form. So after yeah. this, going to get like a nice cup of tea, listen to the rain and watch my Lakers. <laughs> good, good, good. Go Lakes. Go Lakers. And also yeah. drive safely. Drive safely, everyone, in this rain, in this weather. Please drive safe because you know how Southern Californians do once it get a little wet outside. Everybody start wilding. They forget <laughs> all the basics and fundamentals. All the basics and fundamentals. Uh, but, Vicky, you are a, next in a series of plenty of my friends that I met at UC San Diego that I've had on this podcast. And I think that's just kind of the basis of this is there's some legendary people who I went to school with and people needed to know more about y'all's stories. And yeah. I think that any story about Queen Vicky, I think it always starts with a discussion of the love you have for your hometown, the city that you're from. Yes. Uh, that's one of the things that I love the most about you. It's like, nah, like I'm Vicky. I'm from Compton, Compton, yes. California. So yes. uh, why don't we start this interview with you telling folks just what it means to be from the city, uh, what it means to be from Compton and just what growing up in the city, the area of Los Angeles and Compton meant for you growing up. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm Vicky or Victoria. Hi, everyone. Um, I proudly say I'm from Compton, born and raised, still currently residing in my childhood home. Um, the city means everything to me. I think I'm a what do they call it? Like a third generation Compton, mm. or that's what something my mom like a coin that she's um a term that she coined. Uh, but my grandma she moved, um, she moved from Austin, Texas, and met my grandpa who moved from uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Uh, late like in the well, my grandma she went to like Centennial in Compton, so like I'm I'm third generation and met my grandpa. Um, they had like my uncles had my mom. And uh, they grew up in a town called Rich or in a neighborhood called Richland Farms. So, yes, we do have farms in Compton. Like, we have, <laughs> I grew up in their neighborhood and seeing like the horses walk by growing up and seeing like manure, like in front of like the um, the driveway and the chickens and the roosters. Like, when I would spend the night and hear them like early in the morning, um, different people having uh parties quinceañeras and weddings but I think that's just like a whole like LA kind of uh unspoken tradition mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yes like I grew up in the 90s and uh kind of was like sheltered but also just like enjoyed driving in the city um I also have a rich legacy my grandfather was a um former city councilman in the 90s um and he also owned many 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 different businesses so from like an OG, um, they call it a stationery store, but I guess like an OG Staples. <laughs> um, and he was also uh, one of the first uh, business owners in the city to have like a restaurant, a particular oh, wow. black owned restaurant, black owned Chinese food restaurant with, wow. you know, or Mexican like staff. So it was just, it was all types of things. But I had like my first birthday party there. I had, um, I had, 
or attended multiple like different church events uh, where my uncle is also still currently a pastor at my church. Um, so I have very deep, like rich history um, in the city. Uh, I like to say like there's good things that do come from Compton, you know, outside of like what the negative stereotypes that people have portrayed, like obviously like, you know, we have um, or different things I've heard from UCSD. It's like, oh, like, are there still like gangs and stuff like oh like have you met Kendrick Lamar and I'm like nah <laughs> I mean there's still gangs don't get me wrong like I'm still in a in a certain type of neighborhood I've actually uh, think about it, I've lived in a certain type of neighborhood throughout my whole life like mm-hmm. all the, since I lived in the Compton <laughs> um gang affiliated uh or notoriously like gang affiliated um crips crip neighborhoods but I think in terms of like the active, like what you see in the media or what you hear and people like rapping, like me personally, I feel like in my neighborhood, it's died down. Like it's dwindled down, like the whole like gang culture, but it's still a lot. Like you still see more now. The Latino gangs are still like tagging, like every, every new spot. When I take like my raw, I'll see like just different things I pick up, but there was like instances, you know, where I have been in, um, drive-bys, you know, where my brother has witnessed someone get killed, <laughs> you know, when I was back at UCSD, my parents didn't want to, like, tell me, um, and he had to, like, hide neighbors, so it's, like, it's pros and cons, but at the same time, like, I feel like people from the city, they surpass any stereotype that has existed that maybe we have continued to, like, portray ourselves, like, as black and brown folks, but, I mean, we have the greats. We have uh, we have Kendrick. We have the Williams sisters, um, both Venus and Serena. Um, they also have uh, um, an organization that honors their sister, one of their older sisters, Yutune Price, who was um, unfortunately killed as a young um, at a year, at an early age in her thirties due to gun violence um, and affiliation. And um, we have a, a airport most people don't know about mm-hmm. <laughs> the city. Um, where you can take classes like at a young age or just at any age you can like um, ride around in like a helicopter you can learn how to take aviation classes Um, I can't remember the young man or woman I think it was a young woman who flew who was from Compton flew um, across like the east coast and back you know so it's like we 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 have great things birthed out of like this city you know in spite of like what everybody says um LA is not Compton, but Compton is in Los Angeles County. It is considered like what people say, like LA, like Long Beach, mm-hmm. England, um, South Central Los Angeles, uh, Watts, like that is grouped into LA, but we do have our own city. We do have our own mayor. We do have our own school district, which most people don't know about. Um, and I'm proud. I'm proud from <laughs> of my city. I um, don't know if I will still currently live in my city <laughs> as life as my life progresses, but I definitely um, like have my my parents. I inherited my parents' home and would still like to like maintain like that property when I get older. But I love my city. Like it has its ups and downs. We still have potholes. We still have <laughs> off shit. <laughs> um, we still have issues within our uh, school district, but it's still great things. You know, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm say like I have neighbors um who I still have known or know me since I was seven when I moved mm-hmm. it um I have neighbors or people who like known me since birth or before birth yep. or know my parents and they're like oh like you're a crest or oh like you're Jackie's daughter and yep. I look just the spinning image like of my mom so I kind of scare people like uh 
those who like know me or grew up in the church or just affiliated um, with my grandparents and like their legacy and et cetera. And um, they, they associate me with like my family and the rich history that we have been able to develop in the great city, my city. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew you was going to cook when we brought up Compton. That's why I had to, <laughs> yes. had to yes. give you your time to shine. But yes. I think yes. that just really highlights why I like asking people where they're from. And I had this conversation with Lynette last episode on the podcast. But I feel like when you come to a big campus like UCSD, you start to realize where people are from. And you just find a sense of camaraderie when you find people who are from similar neighborhoods as you yes. or who just get it. Because yes. We're going yes. to get into the t- conversation <laughs> about UCSD in general, yes. but it's like you hear I'm black or you see I'm black, you hear I'm from LA and it's like, oh, like what's the gang violence like? It's like y'all's definition you know. of LA just come from the movies and the media yes. things that you're seeing. Yes. And it's like, oh, like you must be smart. You made it out of Compton to get here. And yes. it's like, dog, like why are you putting all the extras on it? Right, right, right. And, and even so, like, I think that was one of the main reasons why I chose out of, I don't know, out of me having like a little rebel in me, why I chose <laughs> to go to UCSD. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Xavier in Louisiana, um, the Xavier University in uh, in New Orleans. I had the opportunity, I think at the time to go, I had like a full right to go to Tuskegee. My ignorant, like mine at the time, 17 um and I was like I don't have anybody like in the south like I I just everybody's either in Kenya in Buena Park or in the city so I you know and um I chose UCSD that was the only UC that I got accepted into but after attending um what is it the overnight program and Mm -hmm. hearing about what happened the incidences that happened in winter 2010 and just like the negative stereotype that was portrayed in my city I'm just like no like I'm gonna go just to prove everybody (laughs) Like just to prove everybody wrong, which was probably at the time. Now that I think about it, I'm like, it sh- it should have been more than just me proving it wrong. But I think once I fell in love, like with the campus, obviously the beach, you know, this the different pluses, bonuses of attending, like as a student. Sometimes I regret not like going to the beach as often, but I think the community that at the time I gravitated towards, that was the reason why I chose UCSD. And still, you know, to prove people like yes we yeah. do have people in Compton yes we do have like the rappers we have our athletes you know um DeMar DeRozan and um mm-hmm. say Tayshawn Price I think if I'm not mistaken Kyler but just other athletes you know um and dismantling all the stereotypes that have been put in the city um but you do have like your people who are like oh yeah like what part of like LA are you from at least my my um experiences yeah what part of LA are you from I say okay I'm from Compton like what part are you from oh I'm from like Ramona I'm from Whittier I'm from Valley I'm like yeah it's like I I see what I see what you're going for but we don't yes. have that's <laughs> it's not, not the experience same. I'm looking for it's not it's not this at least people who know like who grew up in the in the the cities that I mentioned before like your Long Beaches your your Inglewood South Central Los Angeles South Central LA it's not like oh South LA it's like no like from South Central you know um Watts etc and I think we all have had collective experiences up in our childhood even though this have may have been the first time that we all met but we all kind of grew up similar in LA if you do know LA culture like there's a um Instagram I'm probably butchering it um the name but it's like I think S 
SRB in LA or SBR yeah, in LA, like some, something like that. And going through like the timelines whenever the um the page was launched and I'm seeing like a bunch of my friends from church from UCSD like yourself um my brother like I'll send him stuff and he's currently going to um to Lansing University in Oklahoma the H uh, only HBC in Oklahoma but he still like knows the experiences yeah. that we had growing up even though he also like later in his teenage years he moved to um to Highland Park but like home is home like you mm -hmm. know um from 14 from zero to 14 like that was home and um you know seeing the uh seeing the um what is it called seeing like the converse or different shoes like mm -hmm. hanging shoe lines like people know what that is you know and now like it's made into like a whole like hat like a whole lids hat like people know that's like LA culture you know or people know like tacos like LA tacos mm -hmm. versus like going to I don't know going to like the south or making like homemade like nothing's like hidden <laughs> except for like LA tacos, you know? Talk um, that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's, or just Southern California in general. Like I did have a, my good fair share of like good tacos in San Diego, but yes, LA, um, even though we all had different, um, we may have grew up in different neighborhoods or different areas across, like we still have LA culture within us and make probably like help shape us into like the professionals that we are into the black students that we were at the time attending a UCSD that was really not meant for black students but we made it we made it work to the best of our ability we made our community within like a bubble but then La Jolla which I like to tell people it's like the um the San Diego version of Beverly Hills you know <laughs> yeah I know yeah. Cool. but yeah <laughs> oh no but i that's what energizes me like hearing people talk about where they from and i think just hearing another person from la talk about just that la coach because i don't know i feel like sometimes when you just be scrolling through social media la got a lot of haters it's like oh la ain't even all that uh, yeah. everybody in la fake it's like y'all don't even know what y'all talking about first yes of all. yes um, different transplants they'll come in and don't get me wrong like i have my share i, I still want to move out but i know like i'm gonna come back with home I know I'm, I want to be intentional in raising a family here not necessarily in Compton but like raising it in in LA County I'll say um but yeah I, I definitely hear like that most recently like in the pandemic like it's been a lot of like LA hate and I'm just like okay but why are you here <laughs> but why <laughs> like, did are you come you here? here like yeah yeah but one thing that you kind of touched on when you talked about like the neighborhoods that you grew up in and just like the importance of neighbors of community uh a lot of that those are a lot of intangible things like the fact that you can go to your neighborhood your neighbor comes outside is like oh like vicky how are you like somebody yeah. who knows who you are yeah. like you said they've seen you grow up like i feel like that's the type of community that's really uplifting to be around and yeah. you go juxtapose that to going to school in La Jolla where it's a lot more isolating uh you're in this college environment where there's not a lot of black people and not a lot of people that look like you and even some of the people that look like you aren't greeting you in the same neighborly way yes. that yes. you're used to and yes. so I'm just curious about like some of your finding community at UC San Diego and what that mm -hmm. community meant for you like I'm thinking specifically about uh, some of your involvement with BSU and then also the African Student Association I know you mm -hmm. talk about being Kenyan as a big part of your identity as well so what yeah. does that community or what did that community look like for you at UCSD yeah um I would say I didn't 
heavily get involved in ASA until my second year, more so like third year and up, but for sure BSU, like I think like how I mentioned the overnight program, I found my community um, ASA, I probably found spring semester 2012. Mm -hmm. um, but if it wasn't like for BSU, if it wasn't for the people um, who I made connections with, who I have like lifetime um, friendship and sisterhood with, I probably would have not came back um, so, uh, sophomore year or even some of the other semesters, truth be told. Um, I knew very on, I wanted to be intentional about being involved like in BSU, um, but also like being involved in other organizations that I felt like was taking um, and would like still a part of like my identity, such as like um, some of the Christian organizations. At the time I was like involved in InterVarsity and then I found mm -hmm. like a church home with um, CYUAG and they, um, and they are a, a Christian organization, a part of Grace Covenant Church in uh, San Diego, um, near like the Lincoln Heights area. And I felt like everybody, even like my roommates, now that I think about it, like my roommates are like, oh, like Vicky, you're not going to be a shoer. Like, oh, like, can I come? Like, is it racist for me to want to come? And I'm like, I like a white person. Or I'm like, um, I'm like a Latina. And I'm like, oh, no, like you can come. Like, it's all welcome. But just know like some of the conversations, they are going to be intentionally around Black students, you know, around Black people, around Black lives, um, especially the advocacy that has came up uh, with regards to the police brutality um, uh, that was being taken, that was being acted upon, not only on campus, but obviously nationwide. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like some of the friendships that I met in the community I gained, I was very intentional about, I was very proud of. Um, at times it was like a family. Sometimes like mm -hmm. you get frustrated. <laughs> Sometimes you get angry, especially like in leadership. And I know like we were in leadership together. Um, but it's like back home. Like I get in arguments like with at the time with my mom and with my dad, uh, with my cousins. But I know like I always have a place to come back home to. And I felt like I had that home with with BSU. And even with ASA, like I, I do have, I do identify as a black woman, as a Kenyan woman. And my father uh, was Kenyan, hence my last name, uh, Kenyan, uh, Kenya, excuse me, is a country in East Africa. Um, also where Obama's father, uh, from President Barack Obama, where his father was from. Um, and even though uh, I, my, I grew up speaking like the language um, that my father uh, spoke Swahili and then our uh, tribal language or dialect language, Kikuyu. Uh, I was very fluent as a child. Life, you know, life happens. I forget yeah. it. Um, but I still very much was growing up and had two different sides like to my life, you know. And um, I was grateful of the fact that like I was able to be surrounded by my black friends, by my African friends. And sometimes those friendships, especially with UCSD at the time when I came in, it was 1.2%. Oh yeah, both of those communities are gonna intersect heavily, you know? Um, and not saying that some of the other communities like Mecha or like the Filipino organization, like that we also didn't intersect. Um, I definitely have similar uh experiences growing up in Compton with some of my um, Latina friends or Latinx friends um, or those who do identify like as Mexican, El Salvadorian, Guatemalan. That's the, my friends who grew up back home and they were very intentional, <laughs> very <laughs> intentional in telling you like, I'm not Mexican, I'm El Salvadorian. I'm not Mexican, I'm Honduran and respecting that, you know, like respecting that. Um, 
but yeah, community, it was necessary for me. And I'm pretty sure necessary for you too, as well, Kyler, and some of our other um, colleagues back at UCSD. <laughs> colleagues were such adults now. <laughs> <laughs> the homies, you know, gang. That's what we used to say, like gang, you know? Um, and finding, I think for me, it was very difficult um, finding professors, which I think was just a lot to UCSD, um, trying to hire like more intentional black faculty and staff. Um, it did come like those mentors did come later down the line, but as a freshman, barely had black professors. I think the first year I had a black, uh, professor was, um, what was that class? And it was like one unit gospel, gospel choir with mm. Kevin Anderson. And that was mm -hmm. the first just like oh my gosh like I'm at home but even with that class it was like I'm the only black I'm the only black student black female student we're singing all these gospel songs that I grew up knowing in my Baptist church back in Compton and I have um all of my fellow like peers and students in the class who are identifying in other races, whether they're Vietnamese, Korean, and they're like, how do you know this song? Or how do you know this? Or, oh, like, I think you should sing it like this. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm gonna just listen politely. Like, you you got it. Like, you have the formal training. You're here for- Wait, theater, wait, 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 wait. Yes, I've had, I've had some instances. I had some instances. And wait, wait. To correct me. I remember it was like- No, like, hold on, Vicky, hold on. Uh -huh. I just needed to be very clear for the listeners. Are you telling me that in a gospel choir class taught by mm -hmm. a black man, mm -hmm. you had the only black student mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you had non-black students saying not like that, like this? Yeah, like I I'm grew up as a soprano. So from five years old to <laughs> even coming back from UCSD, like I'm singing high and I'm with other sopranos who have much more formal training um in terms of like singing probably had to audition in UCSD and I'm like okay auditioning versus like growing up in the church growing up knowing the songs I don't need to have except with the exception of like two songs out of the six songs that we learned to have to perform in the choir I don't need lyrics it's no, in my <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the DNA it's in the soul and you're telling me how to sing it as a soprano versus what I've known for at the time 18 years of my life like anti-black as hell like okay okay like I just I was just like okay and I would and I would um unspoken UCSD and just black like culture in general like when you see each other you pass you give the head nod and those would be certain instances where I would uh hear from the teacher and vice versa where I'm like okay head nod or oh like he'll look at me, I'll look at him, or, oh, like, trying to help people sing. Oh, they're off note, they're high-pitched, low-pitched. All, all the things, Kyler, all the <laughs> This doesn't the feel things. right. Yes, but that that was that was my first time, one of the first, like, experiences in microaggressions. Many, 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 many. Yeah, of course. It's UCSD. It's UCSD. And even other UCs, don't get it twisted. Like, yeah, of course. One out of nine but yes that was one moment i'm just like right like i let you i let you got it you got a big dog like you you got it. <laughs> and see this is this is kind of the fundamental like problem mm -hmm. with that black students face in higher education because i feel like you leave your neighborhood your family it's very cultural 
us very lift as we climb you come into these academic spaces and then people try to really theory you to death and i love i love academics i love a good theory i think a lot of this is very valuable for these intellectual conversations it ain't no theory to what goes on in a black baptist church it's It's, all spirit it's, it's spirit it's soul it's at times it's frustrating because you want to leave and your mom is talking to other um, attendees. It's the different types of um, spiritual things that happen, such as like people without falling out, they're catching the Holy Ghost. It's being on the usher board. It's funny moments when you hear like a deacon sing off key, you know, like it's, it's different things. You get in trouble for passing notes. Like, those are diff- those are all the things at least that I had embedded into the culture and now come into a much more formal space where I'm singing songs and some of these songs were uplifting to people within our DNA <laughs> trying to make it through <laughs> and survive slavery in this country and now you're having you're telling me that I'm singing <laughs> it wrong and I'm just like I'm singing it the way that I grew up that my big mama who was at the time yeah go tell big mama that i'm singing it wrong how about that come on now like but okay you got it like you got it (laughs) when i'm already or they're looking at me like oh you don't need i know this song (laughs) i know this song if it's not this song it's maybe a different rendition you know because us black folks we like to little you know jazz things up you know um but yeah there there was like some and some of my other I made like one or two friends within like the class or within those 10 weeks but the other people like when the soprano section they were all like look at me I'm like I don't need the lyrics like <laughs> I got it sweetheart <laughs> I got and it and this this is like I think when I talk to people about like why college is so great it's because of those experiences that happen between the lines, because this is where we retreat back to Matthew's D1 apartment at night. <laughs> yes. And it's like, listen, <laughs> this is what happened to my gospel choir class. Yes. And we all yes. look at you like for real, because it's that yes. related experience. Yes. And that's when I look back at the best signs of UCSD, it's always like y'all y'all won't believe what I found out on this campus today y'all won't believe what this person said to me today it's those moments of community that are so essential and so important so what I want to ask you is like during these times of like microaggressions and when UCSD got stressful what does that self-care look like both for yourself and for community because I know for a fact that you you love to dance I know dance is something that's very important for you Uh, and I know as from a community aspect I think we did a lot of community care during our, the time that uh, our past crossed the UCSD, where mm-hmm. it was, you, did you sleep last night? You eat in today, yeah. like really being able to check in with people yeah. in that way. So what does that yeah. community care look like out on a college yes. campus? Um, in my first year, it was, I'm dealing with a lot. I don't know how to ask for help. I'm the only, I think maybe if not every black person or student at UCSD, this is the first time that they are, in commune and having to sleep in the same type of environments with non-Black people. Um, So my first year, I went back home a lot. Like I went back home. I still was a part of like BSU. I still make friendships still to this day, 10 plus years, uh, maybe now 12, 13. But that first year I was like, okay, if I miss home, let me go back home. If at the time I'm too scared to ask, uh one of my friends if they can press my hair because I'm I don't know it's my birthday or it's 
uh, six winter formal. Uh, I don't know if they can do here. I don't know if, if I can trust that they can do here. I'm going to go back and take the train to Solana Beach, take the train from Solana Beach to Union Station and just kick it, decompress, come back and try, try it again on Monday, right? Or Sunday night. Second year to fifth year, I was a super senior. So I did five years. Um, I was able to build community and was like, okay, like, you know how to braid hair. Okay. You know how to drive and I don't have my license. Okay. Can you pick me up here? Oh, can we go to the store together? Like I also had those same experiences. Don't get me wrong. But some of my, um, some of my roommates who I still have in are in communication with still to this day, my, uh, my non-black like roommates. Um, but yeah, I don't want to ask my, my roommates like, oh, like I need to look for hair. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, <laughs> I need to break my hair like it's pressed like it's poofy like I want to switch it up and they're like oh well I, I don't have I'm like I don't have time like let me hit up let me hit up somebody from BSU you know let me mm -hmm. hit up Brie you know like let me hit up any anyone you know and uh later down the line I was able to like feel comfortable feel comfortable in my skin feel comfortable in advocating for hair products <laughs> as in my natural hair journey which I think i transition in at UCSD um times where I'm like I want some soul food and I can't even think about the restaurant still to this day like I, I can't remember it but they were like always the go-to caterer for UCSD events Felix's. For, yes, yes Felix's yes and at one point like it closed and I lost my mind because I'm like I miss home cooking back home I don't have enough money to drive or have the capacity because I'm tired I want food, you know, and that would be the time when we were like, okay, well, y'all hungry, let's go, okay, mm -hmm. you know, like, or we all going to um to the hair shop, to the beauty, I mean, to the beauty salon, let's all go together. Like, we're all going to a party, let's go together, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, let's go together. And that was that was what I came across. Like, even even the times, and it's funny, people still say like UCSD is socially dead. And I'm like, my experience was lit. I think probably too lit to the point I almost got. <laughs> Uh, I got an academic disqualification twice, but it's okay. Like I still made it through UCSD and I'm here today. <laughs> I'm here today, but I, that was my outlet dancing. So I joined like, the, um, it didn't exist at the time, but like the ASA dancing and mm -hmm. different parties, like off campus, making sure that we have rides going and making sure that we're all coming back to camp. Well, coming back home, but coming back to campus together. Like I remember, um, when you had your car, you were one of those people. Like, if we all going together, we're all leaving together. If I'm going together, we're all coming back <laughs> to campus together, you know? Um, when I became an RA and y'all have no food, come to this event. We'll feed mm -hmm. you. And, and even you holding, <laughs> you holding, Kyler, thank you <laughs> for holding. And I talked I talk to um, some of my interns and volunteers and youth. Um, for holding me accountable especially I didn't know what depression was until I was at UCSD I didn't know that all oh, depression's like not like oh like I'm having suicidal thoughts it's like I'm neglecting to eat and I didn't know when I got so busy that you challenged me and other um phenomenal leader Jasmine Livingston um and you challenges you like have you eaten I'm like damn but I'm like, no, like I had oatmeal and I had like hot Cheetos and I had like my green tea. And you're like, that's not food. I need you to eat something of substance. Okay. So I'm like, damn, okay. Okay. I'll try again tomorrow. Like I, that's depression. I'm so busy and overworking myself. I'm not taking care of my black body, <laughs> but I need to survive in order to get this degree that's expensive as hell 
so that I can get a job and sustain myself, you know? Um, but you reminded me to ground myself and to eat and not the work that I'm doing, whether it was and BSU and ASA or just trying to get through the quarter system. Um, it's important, you know, to eat yeah. and ask for support, ask for, do you need money today? You know, or do you need, um, what's the thing called? Like dining dollars or trying mm-hmm. to like, um, and as a leader it's good to, to have someone hold you accountable, someone to see you and not just see you like as a leader, but see you like as a person, like you need to feed yourself. Goddamn. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I, th- I think what was most important for us all within that accountability was that we knew how to talk to each other because we all understood, like, this is for sure a grind. And I even go back to some of what you talked about, like some of the stereotypes with uh, folks who grew up in like South Central LA, Compton areas, and like just all the stuff that we've experienced or seen people and know people who've experienced. Mm-hmm. I used to like want to tell people like, yo, the college shit's kind of easy. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. The yeah. college, this UCSD stress, like, nah, this isn't the stress that yeah. I come from. Like, there's yeah. real life stress out there. And yeah. I feel like when you yeah. come from that level of grind and see the toll that stuff could take on people's bodies, you also have to recognize that same grind within your friends who might be experiencing yeah. depression and say, like, yo, I know you want to save the world. Yeah. But damn, dog, you can't you can't eat a burger for lunch. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You want some fruit, you know, you yeah. want some, fruit, some onions and like a grilled chicken, even though like it's not an in-and-out burger, but it's something and you need it's to eat something. You need to feed yourself. And I definitely came across um phenomenal lives, some of my like lifelong friends, um, people that we both love, Kyler, you know, who to your point, a hundred percent like UCSD was an outlet. Mm-hmm. UCSD was a safe haven where it wasn't necessarily like they're dodging bullets, but they don't have to deal with the heaviness that comes from back home. They don't have to deal yeah. with family issues. They don't have to deal with friends. And even sometimes too, like friends' mindsets. I don't know about you, but that's that's the whole thing that we can talk about too, is like when they come back home, people think like, oh, like you so college or oh, like well. I could see why my mom would say that um, in terms of like me getting into like advocacy work, but oh, Miss yeah. oh, like you think like you're this and that. And I'm just like, no, I'm just trying to get a degree, you know, yeah. um, my peers, they were like, this is UCSD was my way out. You know, um, some people have sports, some people have education. And that's the, and that's one thing too. I hope that all your listeners know what I constantly remind um, at the time, some of my interns is college don't always work for everybody. It looks differently. Um, you have your path, you know, like if you are tired of school, like, cool, you know, like maybe try a trade or if not gain some college, like gain some, some skills, take a free college course or take a course on Coursera or a Google certificate so that you can build up whatever you would like to do. If it's entrepreneur skills, you know, um, whatever you want is eat. and I felt like um for me going to college like it was no brainer like I had no other fucking mm-hmm. choice like, I could have went down the street to um to Dominguez and I chose not to because I'm like I didn't want to be like I'm not gonna grow I'm not gonna grow in the city like at all so I need to get away <laughs> and I feel like for me um and some of our other uh our other close friends in community in gang um that UCSD was definitely like an outlet so that they don't have to deal with the heaviness back home. Absolutely. And I want to kind of 
push us to talk a little bit more about that Cal State Dominguez point because one of the things that I also want people to know when it comes back to like oh like you went to you went to UCSD like it's like nah like it's not even like that like the students at Cal State Dominguez are also some of the brightest students on this planet too like that is a California State University my mom is an alum of Cal State Dominguez Hills my aunt and uncle met and both graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills. One of my cousins, who's one of the most smartest people I know, is a alum from Cal State, or, you know, from Dominguez, and now is in a master's program in public health at USC, you know? like Exactly. It, it is, um, and I hated it in college, and, and even coming back and working with youth, and um, working with youth, it's like, Cal State's are a bad thing. Like, Cal State's, like, it's like, Cal State's are easy to get in and Dominguez is like, might as well be Compton College, you know? Exactly. Like, no, like it's still a, it's still an amazing university. It's still a university that are, or are, but that um the current now first black elected black woman mm-hmm. here in the city of Los Angeles, that's her alma mater, you know? So don't get a Twitter. <laughs> like, exactly. Don't get a or don't let these teachers in high school or your counselors or anyone like knock some of these institutions versus, I don't know, a USC, which is in the hood, you know? Like either way, somebody's gonna get a degree. And and my, my issue, which we can talk about too, is like post- undergrad and all like the navigating the different spaces like having that mentality thinking and don't get me wrong some people are blessed enough to have six figures or have that 50,000 or have 50,000 up let's just say that 50,000 up or 40,000 like six months after graduating and where UCSD is calling is sending those mailers like hey Tyler congratulations like you want to donate and I'm just like bro like I have $40,000 in loans and I'm making, I have this degree, which I thought I was going to get at least $30 an hour. I'm making $19 an hour. And you're asking me to donate to an institution that almost broke, (laughs) broke my soul from like coin Beyonce. Like, are you kidding me? Like, no, I'd rather donate to, uh the brc or rather donate to six because i love six you know Mm -hmm. like i and i couldn't i learned i later learned like you have to be selective in like donating to like the black um a black alumni scholarship or donating to college or donating to certain departments like if not all of your money as a donor is going to go to generally yeah generally it's going to go to like this new amphitheater which i'm like i'm very impressed with ucsd like i really wish we had some of these things, but I'm also still just grateful for um for my experience now. But I'm like, y'all have a whole amphitheater. Y'all have now Target, which I learned is in campus. It's yeah, open. they forget the amphitheater. They got Target. Yeah, yeah, Kyler. Yeah, yeah. That's have a why grocery store. Like y'all have. When I like, be talking Target. to students, and I'm like, I hear you. I do the UCSD. I hear you. It sucks here. There's not a lot of black people. But y'all got three point plus percent of black students and a target. Y'all winning and have a trolley. When I was a freshman, what y'all got the trolley? They were talking about and we voted on when we wanted to have a trolley. I thought that this trolley was going to be built. During my time at UCSD, obviously, I graduated now seven years ago. 
seven years, six years later, are you kidding me? I don't have to ask a friend or ask roommates to take me downtown or to go see um, a Padres game. I can literally take and get on campus and take a whole train that they were talking about and get there safely and get there back and use my probably my student ID card. Yep. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like this It's is a wild thing. But that's also why these stories that but that's also why these stories need to be told because I feel like sometimes people like don't know exactly what these timelines look like. But when I talk to some students, I know like I was at the meeting. <laughs> yes. 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 To plan or I was at the meeting to plan or some of yes. my colleagues planned and implemented and sometimes overslept and missed classes to fight for black housing, you know, because of their experiences and other um, black students experiences, black Caribbean, African experiences who didn't have black housing. I I am proud to say like when I left UCSD, at least that was one thing that was going to like happen mm-hmm. that was um, implemented in in six, which I love, um, and just provide a great different experience than from what my my peers and and other um, students what they face the microaggressions the intentional racism sometimes mm-hmm. racism um, it's just it's a different ball game but I'm not going to dismiss like some of the UCSD students what they're currently going through. Oh, no, absolutely. That's why it's always like affirming what y'all are going through, because those are very real things. Mm-hmm. But it's just also fun to let them know, like, nah, like, I guess more so the mess for me was I like, not nah, keep up the fight because I, I wasn't I saw the person who signed this in like, yeah, just, just keep up the fight. And I yeah. want to kind of start to bring us towards uh, some of what you've done post UCSD too, mm-hmm. uh, just because I think that just continues some of that community work and that community okay. leadership. Uh, yeah. But I realized that in that entire, I think we've been talking about UCSD for like 30 minutes already. I don't even know if you <laughs> told the people, what did you study at UCSD, Miss Super yeah. Senior? <laughs> yeah, so originally I uh, entered UCSD as a human biology major. I wanted to become a pediatrician, uh, did like classes or did like different um, pipeline programs uh, in high school. Um, and I just knew I wanted to be a pediatrician until I took uh, those chemistry classes and I started getting <laughs> F's and um, just students in general. Uh, it's OK if you have imposter syndrome, like even at 29, some of that some of that comes up. But for me, going to a um, going to a uh, a small school, a small charter school for top four and now getting my first f on campus it shook me like it, it, it shook my whole world like well I've never got an f I mean in classes like I mean in different uh tests and stuff and quizzes but like on report card shook mm-hmm. me so ended up moving into um a field of public health and it's it, that kind of like changed my entire like perspective I was like whoa like it seems like this is a new major uh having mm-hmm. conversations with my parents and I felt like it's okay I tell students all the time, it's okay if you change your major. I've changed it. <laughs> Most of my peers have, if they entered as OCHEM or in the sciences, you're probably going to change. And that's what college is supposed to is supposed to change, like your mindset, expose you to different ideas and ideologies and different mindsets, cultures, et cetera. So um, 
when the public health major first started, it was a little wonky. I'm not going to lie. Um, definitely had lots of improvement, needed lots of improvement. And I'm glad to say um, it did. But I had difficult professors and was about to, like how I mentioned, get disqualified. So um, I switched it to sociology. But when I said public health, my parents were like, whoa, like you're not going to be a pediatrician. Like you're not doctor, doctor, Dr. Gishoe. And I'm just like, I can still enter the health field without and still help people and have my passion. Um, and then be still like as a student, um, have conversations and understand like what that is. Like public health is understanding and realizing that there's an issue in the health disparity that exists within my city of Compton. I'm always going to go back go back home where growing up I would see um residents I imagine uh stand outside and wait in line to see to go inside this clinic walking distance from uh um from a jack-in-the-box and like a, a top not king taco but like one of these taco shops mm-hmm. and it's Saturday and I see that they're still have a long line come back home clinic is shut down I'm like well where are all these people going to go to that's a health disparity to me and my or seeing like there's constantly in the hood you know in LA there's a liquor store and there's a church on every corner but there's no Whole Foods there's no Trader Joe's there's no accessible now it's it's much more prevalent but accessible um farmers markets meanwhile Mm -hmm. they have i think it's every tuesday if i'm not mistaken the farmers market don't exist no more that's one of the biggest ucsd scandals that's a health disparity (laughs) that's a disparity in general because they brought in local like vendors which oh kyler that broke my heart because i love the farmers market but yes that's a that's an example of a health disparity and what i tried to explain to my family end up graduating with sociology um best experience i had was doing study abroad Mm -hmm. if you do have the opportunity students or anyone listening um and you have the opportunity not only to study abroad but just to travel to get Mm -hmm. outside of the four walls that exist or the four corners in la or whatever see that you are from see it experience the world it's it's beautiful it's beautiful it's not it's it can be scary at times but it's very positive and it's also good to to notice different distinctions between different cities and between different cultures and what you appreciate back home you know um and what you find um uh what you find to be grateful you know about especially if you are visiting um countries i wouldn't say developing or underdeveloped or third world countries but just countries in general you know you always find something to be grateful for um so yeah so I got my master's in public health uh still made my way back to public health and applied in my last year and got accepted to a university in LA called Charles Drew University of Medicine and Science um named after Dr. Charles Drew um Charles R. Drew who is uh this um the surgeon and kind of responsible for the reason why we have blood banking uh, mm-hmm. today and his um, efforts in the wars in like World War One and World War Two, um, he pretty much created like a system for us to, to be able to donate blood, you know, to each other, to people who are in the services, um, learn so much from the university. Of course, it's considered an HBCU and also Hispanic serving institution. So you're going to have like your issues, but the faculty 
and the administration there, they're phenomenal. At least what I can speak from, from my master's program, best program. Institution still growing, you know, having um, some, some highs and lows, like a roller coaster. But my program, like, y'all can't tell me nothing about Drew. Like, my, my, there you go. my the <laughs> curriculum, like, it was, it was, it was amazing. I'm still happy to say, like, the impact that I had um, while there and was able to make an impact for some of the interns I've interacted with. And now I have like one of my former interns who's currently in her first year at Drew, like full circle, full uh-huh. circle, full circle, who's also, her name is Amy Macias, who's also an alum of um, UC Santa Cruz. Yeah, but the work that I was able to do um, post uh, UCSD was mainly um, in community health or community education. So I, uh, I've did a lot. I did organizing, which went back to like, I don't think the experiences I've had at UCSD, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been a great organizer. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to feel confidently enough to outreach and have conversations with um with elder uh Latina women, you know, because mm-hmm. my experience growing up in LA and also just different um different backgrounds and cultures, you know, with roommates and with other yep. some peers in different classes so without that without UCSD I wouldn't have been a successful organizer you know and And let's expand on that for a little bit real quick sorry to cut you off but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to really highlight how I feel like because one of the big things people come into a college environment with it's like oh I don't know what I want to do I don't know what major directly aligns with Mm -hmm. what I want to pursue and I think that whether it's my own personal experience or working in admissions afterwards and having to answer that question for a lot of people is like, Oh, what do I study? I think Mm -hmm. that yours, excuse me. I think that your story is such a good example of how you kind of combine it all together. Cause you talked about kind of starting with human biology. Uh, You Mm -hmm. talked about the upbringing of public health and you talk about sociology. You and I even had uh, social problems together, a sociology class. And I feel like all these things are coming up with, how you care about community health and yes. uh, one of my vivid memories from 2020 was going on like social media and seeing you being one of those frontline workers yes. and helping not only uh, help people with COVID tests and vaccines but also spreading awareness which is so important yes. too so I yes. uh, just wanted to specifically highlight that because I think it's wonderful just how all these different interests come together like you were changing your major figuring it all out but all along the way you still kept that kind of north star of this community health and community care yes yes that was that was my purpose and and even um, going back to that role and that job of organizing um, that first year and a half that was working um that service like a, a intern and volunteer which i those are the experiences and skills i got being an RA you know being um a part of a both VSU and ASA and then uh 2020 obviously all of our worlds changed drastically mm-hmm. um i needed to take a pause i'm happy i did um with what was going down in the pipeline so i took a, a moment of unemployment um i previously was working um, and provide like a health fair uh, and and apply for a grant with um, with LA Care, focusing on diabetes care. Was able to talk about my work and my experience and my story, even losing my parents within my program, and um, apply. And people always say like, "You always provide for other people," and I'm like, "Well, damn, Vic, like you never provide for yourself." So I even utilized my work and applied for this program with WHO, the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like another subset or like the health um, aspect of the UN, the United Nations. 
and I was able to to talk about my work um, and apply for this program, this year-long cohort of phenomenal leaders under the age of 35. And I was blessed and fortunate enough to get selected. And I had imposter syndrome. I mean, I'm at this community event and I'm checking my email and I'm like, uh, I see this Google form. They're asking this Google form for me to put like my, my flight and hotel information. I'm just like, well, what's this? What's going on? And I didn't realize I got selected. I threw in the trash and I'm just like, please y'all go through y'all emails because you don't know what opportunities you're going to miss out. But that shook me. So I got an opportunity, me and my other colleagues um, from around the world, doctors from, from UK and nurses in Malawi and people from Chile, from Indonesia, from Pakistan, from the UK, um, no, from Australia, et cetera. And here I am, Vicky from Compton. I'm just like, how am I here? How am I in Kazakhstan? First of all, let's talk about that, um, which is a country underneath Russia. And all I know is Borat, which is an awful representation. Now that I was about to say, I wouldn't have been know where it was at if you didn't just say it. Awful representation. And my family, I, like, I lost my parents at the time. My dad passed away earlier this year. So people are like, are you going to go? And I'm just like, I guess they're like, are is your um where's your layover they're like in China in China you're black like I was scared but I was also when I got there I'm like I I felt so minuscule like I felt Mm. so small and I'm like I'm surrounded by like legends I'm surrounded by prime ministers and who am I Vicky like um, and I got reminded from my advisor like Vicky your story and that you told and the work that you're doing you're making an impact worldwide to the point that we selected you and your amazing 21 other colleagues out of 2000 like you you are destined to be here and there were some instances where it was like a conversation about like health insurance and about uh, women giving birth and I'm like I'm I haven't um gave birth I'm not a birthing mom um yet but I I um or a mother you know I'm not a mother yet but I'm able to talk about black experiences black mm-hmm. mother is talking about like my best friend who gave birth to my goddaughter that year Beyonce gave birth Serena's you know and they are black esteemed women and that's like a disparity in self and people were like whoa like Los Angeles like there's health disparities in Los Angeles I'm like oh god now I have to explain to people (laughs) that there's homeless people in LA and they see they don't know they don't know like people are shocked every time they, they come and I have to show them around like skid row like they're like this is awful I'm like well this is not what they're going to show you on media you know um and constantly bringing it back home like all the hashtags I did from you from the UN and everything I do hashtag from Compton to whatever country it is from Compton to Kazakhstan from Compton to Geneva Switzerland you know like letting people know this is where I'm from this is the opportunity I had I can't be the only one so y'all must also continue to do the work so that we can put like Compton we could put LA we can put UCSD folks like on the map to the world and also bring their experiences back home to us you know um but COVID shook my world um I no longer did organizing I didn't no longer did advocacy work I my role drastically changed from being unemployed which I was my own doing because I didn't feel comfortable to like okay it's now May I guess I should go back to work shit's getting real I know I can't just be sitting back at home and on Instagram and checking the verses. Like I know I can also make an impact and do my part when I felt ready to. And I did, I think after a month and a half, plus like I wasn't making money. So building yeah. and 
And um, unfortunately, bills never stopped for some people like myself in COVID. So that was, you know, one way. And outside of losing my parents, wouldn't wish that upon anyone, wouldn't even wish that upon Trump. Those from May to November was the hardest times of my life. Mm-hmm. Because every day, like how you're saying, I had to face masks. I uh, went to, to work um, two weeks after my grand two weeks before my grandpa died and he came from Kenya Mm. um, the same weekend that Kobe passed Mm. and um, he uh, has, he grew up having, or not grew up, but he ended up developing um, diabetes when I was like in high school and uh, in his nineties. And he was put in a nursing home, the nursing home stat, the nursing home in in general, like we had like different phone calls and conversations um, and video chats and people visiting. Like my grandma also like, wearing the mask and stuff but someone contracted a staff contracted um COVID and passed it on to which unfortunately spread to another patient which spread to my grandpa my grandpa Mm. died of both COVID and diabetes which I like to tell people so my work now impacted in so many levels and I didn't even realize it so it's June my grandpa, we're about to have his funeral. I'm grieving over him. And now we're finding out different verdicts and the world is in uproar. And especially if you're a black person in that time, because you're not only facing COVID, a physical health issue, but you're also facing another physical issue, mental issue, emotional issue, because you're also, you're a black person living in America and you're literally dying. You have your Ahmaud Aubrey's. You have your Breonna Taylor's. And once Joy Floyd hit, so I'm battling my two weeks in back to work. A disease, a, a disease that killed my grandpa, 90 years old, of course, with the other underlying health conditions. And now I'm trying to help other black and brown people throughout LA, but also still very fearful about the different police and different um law enforcement that I'm going to come and that I'm going to come across like at that point when we were testing providing testing which is what I did we tested during before I transitioned on we tested over 900 between 900 and and 1200 people in that month and like how you said Kyler like uh capacities and resources were limited so people would hit me up like vicky i see you have your mask i see all the walls like i see you're in the hot sun like but can i get an appointment can i have an appointment vicky i have i'm about to go back to kenya they need a covid test i don't have time Mm -hmm. lake county is doesn't have any can and i'm like come just come just text me text me text me now i have to let my supervisor at the time know this is the number that excuse me this is the number that i have do you mind they come they're like yes because sometimes we'll have appointments as small as five we'll have appointments as high as 75 and mm. we will not eat lunch until everyone's seen like we served water at some point I got dehydrated because the summer is like scorching heat people catching attitudes and I'm just like damn I don't feel like nothing if I'm bucking today like I don't feel like getting like no arguments I don't want to lose my job because right. y'all are patients and I understand I feel you but this is what the circumstance is you're mad because like and I'm just like, it was a lot. <laughs> it was it was times where I had to help um, elderly patients who couldn't read, you know, and, and navigating that and feeling comfortable um, enough to fill out paperwork, but also getting their consent. Times where I had to brush up on my my Spanish kind of mm-hmm. sort of skills and 
um see like uh salute salute means health you know um or fetcha fetcha um I can't remember how to say birthday but birthday please put your birthday you know um times where I had to call uh patients uh relatives and have them translate to their um to their relative and be like you have to complete this form or if you don't have health insurance it's fine or if you're undocumented it's okay mm. you can come see us you know no matter what trump is trying to say at the time like still come see us like you need care you need to find out if you um have this uh you know you're a bit scary you need to you would like to know the conditions of of um and knowing like your tests, you know, so that was hard as hell. <laughs> that that was a, a trying time, but I knew um, for sure I had a purpose to give, and I did provide. And me and my team, like we traveled and helped uh, testing uh, different TV sets, and like in Panorama City, in Buena Park, port mm. drivers, and this in Long Beach, like at the San Pedro like ports. Um, obviously Compton, like all, all over LA, we travel East LA, everywhere West LA. Like, yeah, it was a trying, it was a trying time, but I'm, I'm grateful for the lives we were able to help and yeah, anxiety, whether or not you are positive or negative. Like I just wanted to make sure that patients were well, I'm not a healthcare provider, like in terms of clinical, but non-clinical yes I can provide you water yes we can try to put you in the shade yes you can wait in your car if you don't feel comfortable enough like yes you can see us no matter what LA County says like come see us like or come see me text me you'll you have an appointment my word is bond like you have an appointment yeah absolutely (laughs) I I I gotta just give you a moment to just pause and reflect on a lot of what you just said because I think that you started with talking about the trip to Kazakhstan and how you're with all these different leaders and you're like, why are you here? But this is exactly why. Like, I think when you really take the time to reflect on just all that you were able to accomplish, because hell, if in my eyes, like I'm wondering who the others are, if they're as good as leaders as you, like, because that's the importance of community. That's the importance of being able to help people share stories because it's like, yeah, you doing you did all of that while still battling some of the most traumatic stuff that has happened. Battling grieving. Yeah, battling grieving at times and even trying to help like my family, like, okay, our grandpa got it. Let's get my grandma in or oh, um, at times where when the vaccine came out and I was still hesitant. I'm in health I, at the time a healthcare professional, I was still hesitant about getting the vaccine and and helping um provide that for uh, my church I helped conduct like the same things I was doing help conduct and create different um different spreadsheets create appointments and and I have a full-time job create different appointments and um provide translation if I can't provide it I'm gonna find somebody else who will I'm gonna make sure I have coffee for um LA County Department of Public Health mobile vaccination unit um and my uncle was like do we have to I'm like no you don't have to but this is what I learned from plus months of doing uh, mobile testing like people they fed us you know mm-hmm. and they gave us water um times I got hit on unfortunately you know like it, it's all the things and all the things in healthcare. oh my god but yes like providing good quality service I think that's overall like the arching theme is like I'm going to provide no matter what access 
And if I have the opportunity to provide service, I'm going to provide service. If we're going to give water and we're going to have healthcare providers, let's provide water. Let's provide hospitality. Let's provide coffee from Starbucks, donuts, whatever we can so that y'all can serve our community in general. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that is so important for folks to who are listening to be able to hear all of that, because I think when we talk about the importance of frontline workers and those who are really at the front of the battle, like, of course, there are the doctors and the folks in the hospitals, but there are so many people who are risking their lives day in and day out, but mm -hmm. also just making sure that people know that their lives matter and that mm -hmm. people are able to get the answers that they deserve. So thank you for sharing all of that about healthcare. Uh, no in the time that we have left, I wanted to make sure to at least give you a little bit of opportunity to talk about Black Girl Leadership Academy, yeah. uh, which you are the co-founder of. I'll actually yeah. be interviewing Jazzy next week. So I'm excited to have her on the podcast to talk about BGLA a little bit. Uh, but Black Girls Leadership Academy, founded by Black women leaders from various states and professional backgrounds who all share a common goal to empower young Black girls and women. So talk a little bit about uh, just why you're involved with BGLA and just what yeah. it means for that uh, Black girl leadership to be at the core of what you're doing. Sure. Um, so me and Jazzy, uh, both phenomenal leaders, met at uh, UCSD from Compton. She's from South Central. Like, it just worked hand in hand. And um, at the time, she's still and she's still currently in the East Coast, but she was working with a civic organization and I was in the um, healthcare field. And we noticed um, in the pandemic, lots of different missing gaps with regards to black people, specifically black women and black girls. So like our health cares were affected. Black women, at least from my perspective and in the health industry and public health industry, we're the frontline workers, you know, we're the nurses, we're the receptionists, you know? And um, we noticed lots of gaps. We noticed that, um, that students were lacking resources. Students were going to like, um, there was a picture, I'll never forget it. Uh, a Latina student, Latina, Latina student who was in um, a Taco Bell, like Taco Bell parking lot in Zoom. And I'm just like, that's a gap. Like, how do we get, how do we let it get this far, you know? Um, and I think a lot of my family members, they actually understood what public health was. They're like, oh, like, this is what you're preparing for. I'm like, yes, this is what we talked about UCSD and prevent it. And we're trying to prevent it. And now here we are in the midst of COVID. And now it's all these different social gaps from education to mental health to um, fair pay to um, providing resources for women seeking higher education or seeking um, resources in you know, in their careers, you know, and we notice that oftentimes black women provided so much mentorship, whether it was for majority for both of us, I can say informal, like, baby, you need some money. Okay. You, you, your, your, your mom and dad are not here. I'm a slide in church. I'm a slide you some money, you know? And I found that, that some, the women in my life, if it wasn't for them pouring into me and Jazzy, at a young age, we would not be the phenomenal leaders that we were. So we noticed that in COVID and we wanted to make an impact. Like her being in the policy civic engagement side, me being the health side, Jazzy, let's get together. Like she's like, Vicky, like th this is an issue. And I know that we can do something. Um, we can do something greater, even beyond LA. Like we can do something nationally, globally. 
Um, and I was like, okay, Jazz, like, how are we going to do this? So we decided to come up with like-minded women who also share, share the same goals and a vision and providing a safe and secure, successful environment for Black girls and Black women to thrive here in the States, um, even though home turf and home state is California. And uh, our first co our first year together was just kind of engaging, being consistent on social media. I was not the best social media expert, you know, or kind of coming up with content or captions, but just trying to find women who care about other Black women, about young Black girls and how they're being brought up into this world. Um, thinking about my goddaughter, my cousins, et cetera, and um, making sure that they have a mentor to help them lead and come up. And uh, whether or not they are, have an interest in marine biology or dance, if they have, um, if they're an athlete or they would like to get their PhD, uh, we wanted to be able to provide them the resources and network and provide them one-on-one -on -one support with another Black woman within that profession or within that background. And that's how we came up with Black Girls Leadership Academy. Um, our first co cohort has been very successful. Uh, we had 30 plus um, mentors and mentees from the nation, from Tennessee, from Colorado, from Utah, from um, obviously home turf being Cali. We have the most representation, but um, our cohort is ending uh, this upcoming week. Uh, weekend, we're having a closing ceremony, but we have consistently provided programming around uh, mental health resources, about how to take care of your mind, body, and soul, about um, having self-care, especially amongst the holidays, which can be really difficult, especially for me. Holidays are big and my parents aren't here. So providing that self-care for us, um, whether or not you are 11 years old and barely getting allowance, you know, from your parents or guardians or you are a student at UCSD or a student at Stanford, student at uh, HBCU, and you're trying to manage the, the different loans or different uh, money that you are getting as a work-study student. Like, how can you take care of better your finances? How can you budget at a young age? And these are things that should be taught in school, but they're not. So you have to learn them in community. Why not learn them from like another Black woman? who has probably went through the same experiences as you, as a single mom, you know, et cetera. So uh, we are starting up our second cohort um, from June through December, 2023. It has been very difficult, you know, wanting to get back in person, but also respecting and being mindful of our safety. So mm -hmm. completely virtual, but we do have and aspire to have um, uh, ongoing in-person chapters, you know, potentially. Uh, we would like to aspire uh, to have and build up leaders culturally and have um, the different things, like how I mentioned in Compton, like seeing the, um, the, the food deserts where we have grocery stores, lack of grocery stores and healthy foods, and we have liquor stores and churches, right? Or now dispensaries <laughs> in Cali. Um, and we would like to empower some of these young girls to pick up like an issue see and notice like what's going on in your community and how you would like to like make an impact so we do have like that leadership skills um that we would like to be able to provide these young women to take autonomy and own that you are a leader in your community whether you are a 13 year old whether you are a 21 year old and yeah uh, it's been a journey in leadership um but I am proud to say like as a co-founder as a leader in our board and even 
just having other women believe in our mission that we would like to create a better space for the next generation to come up under um from from under us uh that's I think is what keeps keeps me going make me I don't keeps both both me and Jazzy going. I can speak for her um and it's been an exciting journey I know uh oftentimes we don't see black women in leadership I know I haven't and I know like in different instances in my own personal journey and profession like what I see as a leader here is not what I ever want in this organization. What I see as a leader there is not what I ever want a Black girl to feel. As a student, as a professional Black woman, I want you to be able to advocate for yourself to get a negotiation because you deserve it and you put in work. You know, If you don't put in work, let's help you build the tools so that you can do that so you can advocate for yourself. So that's bgla in a nutshell um y'all can check us out like on ig black girls leadership academy or on our website www.blackgirlslead.org and yes we would love to have you um we don't uh i guess the only criteria is if you have a passion and a drive and hunger and you would like to gain mentorship as a young black girl um knowing that you are not going to be alone that whatever you dream and envision that it can manifest like it's not just like a wild dream or like oh it's it's unthinkable like it's possible and we would like to help you generally if you are a professional black woman and would like to instill different gems and values and help another um, black girl or black young woman um, gain different insight and help them in their journey this is the program for you what an awesome plug for BGLA. I can tell that you've had a lot of practice talking about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just two final questions for me, and then I'm going to go ahead and let you get out of here. Uh, the right. first one is, you mentioned the website and social media for anyone who might be interested in being a part of BGLA. My question is, if I'm someone listening to this podcast, like let's imagine I'm some well-off person, I just happened to stumble across this podcast. How can I support BGLA, whether that's something financially or other ways that folks might be able to support? Yes, uh, there's uh, many different ways you can serve as a volunteer. Uh, We do have volunteer opportunities, for instance, going in person. Um, We had volunteers who helped us, at least in LA, um, help us go to the Black College Expo, which took place uh, late January and we will start like having more in-person um, workshops if you would like to be a sponsor and sponsor um, either a mentoring fee which we will be able to provide in the future um, and start implementing if you would like to sponsor a young lady in the future if you would like to sponsor monetary funds <laughs> that's also very much so welcome um, if you would like to um, give to our do- and be a consistent donor, we do also have that. So if you can click on donate, um, because we are pretty much doing on the ground grassroots work, um, we would like to be able to provide money to bring in full time staff. We would like to be able to seek funding um, and sp- seek sponsorship to provide um, potential merchandise, um, be able to collaborate with other amazing organizations like Sister Love, like Black Girls Who Cold, et cetera. Um, so if you are interested in um, providing donations ongoing and or sponsorship sponsorships, excuse me, you can uh, once again go to our website or email us at admin at blackgirlslead.org and um, message our um, message myself, uh, Victoria, Jazlyn, J-A-Z-Z-A-L-Y-N or Nancy. 
Awesome. And then last but not least, um, just kind of an open-ended question. What is one thing or what are some things that you hope that people take away from this episode of the Banquet Hall? Yeah, um, I'm Vicky. I love the color purple, <laughs> as you can see in the background. Um, I'm passionate about who I am, where I come from, passionate about the heritage um, and different traditions and things that I'm still also learning and unpacking um, from my childhood, from my parents. Um, I'm proud of the city that I come from. I'm proud uh, to be an advocate for people who don't have the voice to do so, who don't have the language um, in higher academia spaces, um, but also knowing like that you have greatness within you, you know, um, whether or not you are in the health industry, if you're in entertainment, if you are an electrician, <laughs> if you are uh, a young person still just trying to find their way, um, if you're a Black person in Nebraska, if you are just come across this amazing podcast uh, given by uh, Kyler and you are not from California, um, no matter like where you are, where you come from, even if you don't identify as Black Caribbean or African, like there is also greatness within you. Um, but also be proud of who you want, who you are, where you come from. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And yeah, if I could be a resource, um, find me on LinkedIn and or find me on Instagram. And yeah, there's greatness within you. Uh, keep that light, keep that magic, keep that spark going. Um, I know I have sometimes uh, it's been dimmed at different times. There's sometimes where I lost it and amazing people like Kyler, um, they continue to remind me to bring it back and it's always been within me so yeah reminding you it's in you as well what a beautiful words to end the podcast on i uh, just want to make it real explicit where can folks find you on instagram yeah uh shh victoria or linkedin uh victoria and then my last name gee showy gee as in geek show as in show and then he like there he goes uh g-i-c-h-o-h-i on linkedin and shh victoria on ig Perfect. Well, thank you, Vicky, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to make an appearance on the podcast. Listeners, thank y'all for tuning into this episode. Uh, make sure y'all follow the Banquet Hall on our social media platforms at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, leave us a five star rating. Tell a friend to give us a listen. Um, and support Black Girls Leadership, whether you want to support with a donation, whether you are a Black girl listening to this podcast and want to get involved or know a Black girl. We talked about neighbors. We talked about community. Uh, everybody got little cousins or little homegirl from the neighborhood. Like, Make sure that you plug in BGLA and all the wonderful work that they're doing. Yes. Thank you so much also, Kyler, um, for you having this platform and highlighting amazing people like myself and um, hoping that this uh podcast will inspire future leaders to come um from our hoods <laughs> from many different cultures and yeah wishing you also great success in your journey as well thank you so much and one last thing i'm going to highlight i love 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 how many times on this podcast you have referred to yourself as a phenomenal leader because i think that's something that sometimes we all struggle with is really affirming our own personal yeah. leadership and all the journeys that we have gone through so so happy to hear you call yourself a phenomenal leader and i couldn't agree more <laughs> Thank you, Kyler. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll catch y'all next episode.